people grasp basic things around inflation, but they don't bring it back and saying, so what? You know, so I know, I know the price of things are going up, but what does that mean for me, for my financial planning, for my retirement plan, and what I need to do to beat inflation in 20 or 30 years? That's where the mismatch is. Have you ever wondered about how we make decisions about our money? Or why we feel the way we do about those decisions? Welcome to Nudging Financial Behavior, the podcast that aims to help you understand how and why you make certain decisions about money. Presented by Dr. Giselle Willows, an expert in behavioral finance. This podcast is all about looking at human behavior and biases especially when it comes to your finances. You can catch the series on YouTube, the Nudging Financial Behavior blog, or on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to like and subscribe to ensure you don't miss an episode. Special thanks to our sponsor, IG Market South Africa, a world-leading online trading provider that gives you access to opportunities across thousands of financial markets through their intuitive platforms and apps. Let's get started. Welcome to episode two of Nudging Financial Behavior. I'm Dr. Giselle Willows. Thank you for joining us again. In this series, it's my goal to help you recognize the biases that can subtly, and sometimes not so subtly, pull or push your thinking into making decisions about your finances that aren't entirely rational. When you're able to recognize these pushes and pulls, you'll be able to make smarter choices about your money and hopefully end up saving and earning more. In the next three episodes, before we dive into the behavioral biases, we're going to first take a look at some of the most common pitfalls that get us into financial trouble. We'll also be chatting to Veynad Khos, a certified financial planner. Before we dive into it, please click the like button, and if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the channel. All right, let's begin. It's scary how easy it can be to fall into financial trouble. As humans, with all our human emotions, we're not always the best when it comes to making good decisions around our spending habits. Freely available debt, credit cards, social pressure, and our own behaviors all play a part. I also want to tell you that you're not alone in this, so please don't ever feel like what I'm saying is meant to point a finger at you. Pretty much everyone experiences financial trouble at some point in their life. It's simple human nature. We are not robots. When the market crashes, we panic. When we see a sale, we buy, and as a result, we encounter financial problems more easily than we might predict. There are many reasons why we're not always that great when it comes to managing our money. Over the next three episodes, I'm looking at the eight most common pitfalls that human beings encounter. For this episode, we're going to focus on just one pitfall. Next to behavioral biases, I think this one is the biggest of the lot. Financial illiteracy. According to one in-depth study here in South Africa, our average overall financial literacy score stands at 54. It's not very high when you think that this knowledge, or lack of knowledge, impacts our ability to make and save money. One example quoted in the study is that only 23% of adults in South Africa understand what inflation is and how it works. This is one of the basics of finance. The numbers are also quite concerning when you consider the fact that most adults don't seek out the advice of a financial planner. If you don't have the appropriate level of financial literacy and you don't have someone advising you, how will you make the best financial decisions? 
I have Vainan Khos, a certified financial planner and wealth manager at the award-winning Gradish Mahura Investments on the line. Vainant, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Giselle. Thank you. Look forward to chatting about uh, the relatively important topic, getting the basics right. Absolutely. So, when you have a new potential client coming to see you, how would you rate their level of financial literacy? Do they understand the impact of inflation, compound interest, the whole time value of money concept? Or do you find you spend a lot of time explaining these concepts? Yeah, I think, um, you know, one needs to be careful of a broad brush, but in, on average, most people don't have a good understanding of financial literacy. I do want to break it up slightly. You know, if you think about something like inflation, I think you, you, your study kind of quoted 23% of people don't understand it, and probably particularly in the, in the financial sense. I think many people understand the basics about inflation. You know, they go into the shop, you buy bread, you buy milk, you put petrol in the car, um, and you experience it firsthand and you notice the price of things are going up. You know, my kids are 11 and 13 and, and they get inflation. You know, they kind of buy stuff and come back, say, Dad, this phone cost X amount last year, it's double this year. So I think people get the basics of inflation. I think the, the key issue is making the link between inflation and financial planning and investments. You know, and understanding what the impact of inflation is and what you need to do to beat inflation. So there's a broad understanding of what inflation is, but there's definitely a mismatch in people understanding what to do financially in their planning, in their retirement funds to beat inflation and the importance of actually trying to beat inflation. And I think the same in compounding. You know, for, for the most of it, um, people kind of broadly know they need to take a bit more risk to do a bit better, but there's a complete lack of understanding. If you sit in a bank account, you know, your money's not going to grow. If you need your money to grow, it needs to be invested at a decent type of rate. And there really is a lack of understanding that benefit of earning interest and interest or, you know, earning growth on your investments early on and how fundamental, fundamental that impact is later in life. So, so yeah, unfortunately, pe people grasp basic things around inflation, but they don't bring it back and saying, so what? You know, so I know, I know the price of things are going up, but what does that mean for me, for my financial planning, for my retirement plan, and what I need to do to beat inflation in 20 or 30 years? That's where the mismatch is. Do you find you're spending a lot of time trying to explain this to clients? Yes, we do. Um, and normally it comes through, you know, firstly understanding what clients need to do, what their objectives are, and then trying to put together and saying, how do we get there? And that's normally best explained by examples and saying, if you stay in the bank, this is what's going to happen. You know, your capital grows to X and with that X amount, this is the amount of income you can get. If your money really want, if you want your money to work for you, and if you want to keep ahead of inflation, what do we need to do? And, and what does that imply? And one talks through examples and making it practical for them in rands and cents is often the best way to do it. But you are certainly... And, you know, we deal with, um, you know, from administrators to um, doctors and academics, and it doesn't matter on the level of education, there's a broad lack of understanding of basic financial and financial planning concepts, irrespective of, irrespective of the lack of it or the level of education. Yes, uh, the problem is pervasive, as I always like to say. Yeah. So your new book, To 100 and Beyond, which I really enjoyed, by the way, you explain quite simply that we're living for longer. And because we're living for longer, we need to be preparing for that. Yeah. So how can inflation really derail our plans for the future? And on the flip side, how can compound interest really help us? Um, 
if you think about inflation and you know, not even living for longer, but just for the next 10 or 15 years, but let's start with the concept of living for longer. So let's assume normally you plan to live up to 84, and that's what all of the traditional plans said. But now many people are living into their 90s or 94, even into their hundreds. Now, living 10 years longer, over that 10-year time period, the cost of living doubles. And it doesn't matter if that's when you're 60 or 70 or 80, or from today, you know, 10 years time, roughly speaking, you know, 10 or 12 years time, the cost of living doubles. You know, so that means if at the moment you your regular expenses are buying your basket of stuff, whatever it might be in there, bread and milk and a bottle of wine or something, and doing your regular stuff to enjoy life, going out to the movies and having a dinner, if you don't plan for your, your money to grow with inflation, it means in 10 to 12 years time, you can only buy half the basket. You know, so what don't you do? Do you, do you leave the wine? Do you leave the bread? Do you not go to dinner? Um, you know, what do you leave behind? Um, and that's as relevant today as it is in retirement. I think it's even just so more significant in retirement, you know, when people really have to make their pennies work. You know, after you retire, your income is normally less and you really have to make the budget work. Now, if you think about it, if you plan to provide an income to up to 84, and that's the average, you know, so on average, one in two people are going to live up to 84, but it means many more people are living significantly beyond that. And now you get into 90, you get into 94, 95, you're already struggling to make ends meet and in those last 10 years, the expenses doubled. That requires significant decisions that you need to make. You know, so very important. You need to be sure that where you invest can assist you in buying the same stuff in 10 years that you're buying today. And that means you need to get a growth rate ahead of inflation, which goes to the point of compounding. Now, if you deal with the same person, you know, be it today or again at retirement, um, that has saved enough money. So let's deal with someone at 60, 65. The amount of money for everybody is different. So it doesn't matter if they saved a million or 10 million, whatever their amount is, if that person puts that away and leaves it in the bank, um, it's not going to grow significantly, You're not getting the benefit of compounding. So if you're sitting with two people with exactly the same amount of money, if you're not making your money work, in example, earning enough growth in your money and letting compounding work for you, you're going to be destitute in 15 or 20 years. The same person with the same amount of money, just making it work. And, and I do the examples in my book, you know, it's not going to the extremes. It's not kind of going from cash and only buying bitcoins and cryptocurrencies or investing in schemes. You don't have to go overboard. The benefit of compounding works at the margin. So getting a difference in return from 10% to 11% makes a massive difference over 10 or 20 or 30 years. So, so it really is important to understand your cost of living increases and it doubles basically every 10 to 12 years at current inflation rates. If you want to keep your living standards the same, then it's important to make compounding work for you. And that means earning a decent return. And it doesn't mean that you have to go for schemes or scams. You need to, in many cases, just get a decent return to make compounding work for you and get more interest on your ever-grade ever capital or more growth on your ever-grade capital. It's a real sobering truth, excuse the pun, because I have to leave the bottle of wine out of my basket in 10 years' time, so it's double sobering now. So I'm sure you'll agree with me that it's essential that we have a baseline understanding of these concepts. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the earlier one gets it or understands it, the better. You know, I was kind of fortunate. I fell into finance almost a bit by default. Uh, my intention was to become a cook, but I got to the front desk and the... Um, 
hotel school was full. So I ended up in marketing and from marketing, I ended up in finance, but I'm glad I did. And what I learned very early on was actually um, the basics around exactly what you're trying to, to reach out to people to, um, which is starting early enough, save enough and get a decent return. Um, and it makes such a difference. You know, if you start saving, getting a decent return from the age of early twenties versus waiting 10 or 15 years, um, it, it, it's a massive amount you have to catch up to if you start too late. So the earlier one has understanding, not if you don't have to get complex, just the very basics, you know, put a bit of, a bit away of, of what you earn, invest it, get a decent return. Don't get too worried about being too fancy, but get the basic rights, the basics right early on makes such a massive difference. Thank you, Vainant. I honestly don't think I can stress enough the importance of understanding these three concepts, inflation, compound interest, and the time value of money. And this goes for everyone. As you've just heard Vainant say, this lack of financial literacy comes from all age groups, all levels of education. So I'm really glad you're here listening to or watching this podcast. As the saying goes, if you think financial education is expensive, just try ignorance. When you're unable to get to grips with the most basic elements of financial literacy, inflation, compound interest, and the time value of money, then you're always going to struggle to save. It's a fact that those with lower financial knowledge are less likely to save. This is because people who lack the appropriate level of financial literacy don't understand the long-term impact of the decisions they're making about their money today. They experience financial stress more easily and don't know or understand how to take advantage of many mechanisms that help us to save money. I always say that we must be careful of assuming that someone who is in financial trouble after racking up a lot of debt was greedy or had no self-control. Sometimes that's the case, but often they might just not have fully understood what they were doing. Ignorance is bliss for a while. Since we're here, Please humor me and allow me to spend some time talking about financial literacy and the three basic terms that everyone should know. And don't be embarrassed if you don't understand them. The study I mentioned earlier and many others show that you are not alone. First up, inflation. It's a fairly simple concept. Inflation is an increase in the general price of goods or services over time. And this leads to a decrease in our purchasing power. Just look at how the cost of a Spur burger, a tin of Rick coffee, and a can of condensed milk has changed since the 1980s. A burger started at 11 Rand 95 in the 1980s, and today you pay just under 80 Rand for the same meal. In 40 years, Rick coffee went from just short of 5 Rand all the way up to 107 Rand 99, while condensed milk went from 2 Rand 20 to 28 99. Can you just imagine what these prices are going to be another 40 years from now? You see, inflation is all about supply and demand. Simple economic theory. If there's an increase in demand for goods and services that cannot be met by supply, well, then you get what's called too much money chasing too few goods. And the price of those goods will go up. This is known as demand pull inflation. Or you have what's called cost push inflation. This is where the price imposed by the producers of those goods go up. Perhaps there were wage increases with the manufacturer, so their costs go up. Those increased costs then get pushed onto everyone else further down the line. By raising the costs, prices are pushed up. Either of these two scenarios will result in prices going up, and you need to anticipate that. 100 Rand today is not going to buy the same basket of goods next year. 
There was a great report from Stats Essay on our average inflation rate in South Africa. I'll link to it in the description. One of the key things you'll notice in this report is how the South African Reserve Bank targets an inflation rate of between 3 and 6%. So that's generally what we can expect to see. But there were times when we went outside that band. In January of 2023, our inflation rate was close to 7%. And if you're wanting to understand how the Reserve Bank can manage our inflation, when you've just learned that it's got to do with demand and supply, which is not that easy to manage, well, they do that by increasing and decreasing the interest rate. I'm going to park that relationship for now. I want us to stay on inflation. Because even though we can expect consumer inflation to be somewhere between 3 and 6%, you must always remember that this is a general inflation number. It's not necessarily reflective of the basket of goods that you buy. As an example, and I'm mentioning this one because it really hit me hard. In January, food inflation was at 14%. <gasps> Onions specifically went up in price by 49%. <gasps> in one year. I mean, how are we meant to keep up with the cost of food, amongst other things, with that inflation rate? I can't see us all banking salary increases of that much, can you? So, what else can we do? Well, we need to ensure our investments grow at a rate that can keep up with inflation. And that's just one of the reasons why you always need to be mindful of inflation. The second term to chat about is compound interest. Sometimes, interest isn't only calculated on just the initial amount you borrow or put into a savings account. Let's look at a happy example. On your savings, compound interest is the interest that you earn on your interest. Okay, I'll break that down. Say you have 1,000 Rand in your savings account. The interest on this account is set at 5% a year. In the first year, you'll earn 50 Rand and have a total of 1,050 Rand at the end of the year. In the second year, you'll earn 5% again, but on the new total that's in your account, the full 1,050 Rand. This means that your interest will be 52 Rand 50, not only 50 Rand, and your new total will be 1,102 Rand 50. Each year, your compound interest will go up like this because you're earning interest on interest. Your money is making money for you. Most of us have heard that Albert Einstein famously referred to compound interest as the eighth wonder of the world. He went on to say that those who understand it earn it, and those who don't will pay it. Remember, Einstein was a physicist, working on a very large scale with a very long time frame. To help you understand how immensely powerful compound interest is, let me tell you about the Rule of 72. The Rule of 72 helps us determine the number of years it will take for a sum of money to double. All you do is you take 72 and you divide it by the interest rate. Coming back to what we said about food inflation being 14% earlier, 72 divided by 14 equals 5. In five years, if food inflation continues to hold at 14%, the price of food will be double it is today. Scary. But the good news is that we can use this rule with our investments as well. If your investments are giving you a return of 7%, your money will double in just over 10 years. Now, come on. It's easy to see why compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. I thought I'd ask my intro guy to read us a story. Come on, we all know that podcasts have that intro person. You hear their voice on every episode, but 
given you're getting to hear me as well as see me, if you're watching this on YouTube, I thought it was only right you saw my intro guy as well. Welcome, Cizo. Hello, everyone. Okay, Aviwe and Loazi are the same age and were best friends growing up. They both worked hard and received scholarships to study. Their hard work has paid off and they've just landed nice paying jobs. On his 23rd birthday, Aviwe decided that he will start to invest right away. He puts 2,000 Rand every year for eight years in an investment that averages 12% interest rate. At the end of the eight years, Aviwe has put a total of 16,000 Rand into his investment and stops contributing to it. Loazi decides he will start saving later on his 33rd birthday and he starts putting 2,000 Rand into an investment every year and does so until he is 65. He got the same 12% interest rate as Aviwe, but he invested 25 more years than Aviwe. Loazi invested a total of 66,000 Rand over 33 years. Thanks, Cesar. So, on their 65th birthdays, Aviwe and Loazi decide to compare their investments. Who do you think had more? Aviwe, with his total of 16,000 Rand invested over eight years, Loazi, who invested 66,000 Rand over 33 years. Well, Aviwe is sitting with just short of 1.5 million Rand. Loazi has just over 750,000 Rand. In short, Aviwe has double the amount of money that Loazi has. It's really quite a remarkable story. Both Aviwe and Loazi earn the same return. Loazi puts away so much more than Aviwe, but because Aviwe put the money away early, what happened? His money worked for him. Compound interest happened, and compound interest started compounding. On the less positive side, please note that we focus on compound interest in relation to savings and investments. Just remember that it also applies to money that you've borrowed. If you're not paying your debt and you're being charged interest on what you owe, guess what? That interest is compounding. Don't forget that. Lastly, let's talk about the time value of money. What this term means is that basically the value of money isn't fixed. Having a hundred rand in your pocket 10 years ago meant you could buy a lot more than you can today. It's all linked to inflation, the first term we spoke about, and how our cost of living increases each year. So there are no technical things to understand with this term. This is all about having the awareness that the value of money changes. Each year, a loaf of bread costs you more. So each year, your 100 rand gives you less. This is a very important term to understand when it comes to planning for your retirement. In your 30s and 40s, you might be living comfortably on 20,000 rand a month. Fast forward to when you're in your 60s and 70s, you'll need more than that every month because the value of the money you've saved will change. And you need to get your head around that. I need 20,000 rand a month today. When I retire, I'm going to need maybe 40,000 rand to pay for the exact same basket of goods. The longer you are from retirement, the greater the reduction in value is going to be. Okay, so those are the key terms for financial literacy. Inflation, compound interest, and the time value of money. There's plenty more that you can start to research, but these are the ones I highly recommend you have a solid understanding of. That's it for this episode two of Nudging Financial Behavior. We've covered some basic terms for financial literacy, but there is a lot more. 
We're going to be moving on to discuss some of the other financial pitfalls in the next episode, but I'd love to know if you liked what you learned today. Would you like some more financial literacy information, understand some other terms and see more examples? If so, please let us know. Who knows? We might find a way to sneak some of it in later. Or hey, we might even make a separate series on it. Please give us a thumbs up to tell us you like this episode and click subscribe if you haven't yet, because in the next episode, we'll be diving into three more common financial pitfalls. See you in episode three. That was Nudging Financial Behavior, hosted by behavioral finance expert, Dr. Giselle Willows. Make sure you like and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. You can catch the Nudging Financial Behavior podcast on YouTube, our blog, or your favorite podcast streaming platform. Thank you again to our sponsors, IG Market South Africa, for helping to bring the show to life. And now for the disclaimer. This podcast should not be seen as advice. All the information and opinions are of a general nature. They are not intended to address the needs or circumstances of any individual. We are not financial advisors, neither are any of our staff or service providers, nor is our sponsor. All expressions of opinion by the host or guest are subject to change without notice in reaction to shifting market conditions. Any information you get from us should be seen as only that, information only.